0: to the Pharmacy Podcast Network.
1: Pharmacy owners, stay ahead in the evolution of healthcare. Tune in now to the Pharmacy Tech Trends by PrimeRx on your preferred podcast platform and lead the charge in redefining the future of pharmacy. Tune in today and be a part of the innovation wave. Pharmacy owners, stay ahead in the healthcare evolution. Tune in now to Pharmacy
2: Tech Trends by PrimeRx on your preferred podcast platform and lead
1: the charge in redefining the future of your pharmacy. Tune in today and be a part of the innovation wave. Community pharmacy is undergoing a significant transformation shifting from a traditional prescription-driven model to a more patient-centric approach. We know this as value-based care. Boy, I tell you what, I've been in pharmacy long enough to remember when this first started to being termed and crafted and how important it was knowing that the future of our pharmacy profession was very much in a transformational stage and the evolution dr- driven by recognition that pharmacists can play a crucial role in improving patient outcomes and reducing healthcare costs by focusing on an overall well-being of individuals. Technology, that's how I started, and technology plays a pivotal role in the movement by enabling pharmacists to engage with patients more effectively through electronic health records, telehealth platforms, remote patient monitoring, the data analytics that comes from all of this data collected, our pharmacy management systems, software systems, which we're going to be talking about today, as well as um, the extension of pharmacists. Uh, pharmacy technicians, and specialized treatment programs that are really going to take pharmacy to a whole nother level. Today's podcast is brought to you by PrimeRx Pharmacy Management Systems. We can't wait to get into this series. Let's go. All right, pharmacy podcast listeners, my name is Todd Urey, founder of the Pharmacy Podcast. I'm thrilled. I'm excited today because we're talking about the new age and that's what we're really in. If you think of the history of our profession, we are in a new age of pharmacy based on the transformation of what's happening with value-based uh, care and what that means. And, and and not just a buzzword, but really in the trenches, what that means. Today, we're gonna drive into the crucial topic of reshaping the landscape of healthcare, more specifically, the role of pharmacies and technology in value-based care movement. I have three amazing guests um, Kaden uh, Mehta. He is no stranger to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. I always love having you here. Uh, Kaden, uh, welcome to the program. Hey, Todd. Thank you for
0: inviting us. And it's always nice to be at the Pharmacy Podcast. I know that the, this podcast addresses a lot of the crucial uh,
1: ongoings in the pharmacy space, and I'm glad to be here. Thank you so much. Jay Williams, I met you eons back. Uh, It's making me feel old. Um, Every time I cross paths with you, I'm like, wow, I've known Jay Jay a long time. You are part of one of the most instrumental and pivotal organizations in the profession of pharmacy and the evolution of what is happening to pharmacy. CPESN. Jay, welcome to the program.
2: Thanks, Todd. I appreciate it. Uh, Huge fan of what you're doing on podcast, um, and uh, glad that you finally, you know, squeeze me in, get me on, so I'm looking forward to it.
1: Absolutely. Thank you, Jay. Brad Tabak, a Friendly Pharmacy, Pharmacy Director. You are also a PrimeRx customer. You're really the heart of it all. Um, it's, it's where the rubber meets the road, the pharmacy owner. I'm so excited that you're here, Brad.
3: Uh, thanks. I appreciate the opportunity to talk about what we're doing with Enhanced Care, um, our relationships with CPSN, and our relationship with MicroMerchants and their PrimeRx platform.
1: Thank you so much. All right, the Community Pharmacy Enhanced Services Network, it's grown. It's starting to transform um, how pharmacists are being looked at by their state um, programs, their state payment programs. The reliance of community pharmacy is rising now. Uh, primary cares like holy cow, let's get this in the hands of our community pharmacies. And CPSN has been there from the beginning. I kind of want to start off with Jay. Um, tell us what does value-based care mean to the organization CPSN and to you? Why is it crucial crucial for the for the future of pharmacy care?
2: Well, there, there's a lot to unpack there, Todd. But let me just say that we're excited about. Value-based care because it's not filling the prescription that has been uh, dir'd to death, and and the pharmacies um, are struggling to make ends meet on, on simply filling a prescription. Right, that commodity-based um, service that is can be done now in a in a airport warehouse and 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 shipped all over. Um, it's tough to compete in that, especially for an independent that doesn't have the buy side leverage that, you know, a 9,000 location chain might have. So um, we believe that the localness of an independent community-based pharmacy, the relationships that those pharmacies have lend itself to better care. We've long been telling ourselves this, and this is back Todd, when you and I have talked 10 years ago, where we believed and we were telling each other in the independent pharmacy space, man, our pharmacies are are, are delivering better care, right? We're providing care that uh, transcends, um, you know, a, a large mass uh care. But we were just telling ourselves, right? And, and we were struggling and telling the rest of the healthcare marketplace that that, that was true. And uh, you know, fast forward to today, CPESN has uh, 3,500 um, independent community-based pharmacies, uh, and and we have over 250 uh, payer programs where we've contracted with the payer um, on behalf of the farm pharma- independent pharmacies. Right, that's a key to our clinically integrated network, a term we may you know, talk about here today or, or, or may not, but our desire to get the pharmacy, the pharmacy owner, the pharmacy provider of the care at the negotiating table with the payer and allow them to understand all the metrics of the deal. Who's getting paid what to do what. There's no third party middleman in there that's taken a cut. And, the, and and there's no, you know, back-end DIR fees that are, are being assessed that the pharmacies are unaware of, right? Our pharmacy providers, we have a term called luminaries, but our, our pharmacy providers sit at the negotiating table and decide whether or not we're going to do a deal with a, a particular payer. And we've got 250 of those in the marketplace. We're excited about those. Um, as it as it you know shifts you know you know what else is does that mean well we serve as the aggregator of that data so these great relationships like we have with micromerchant and katen and his team right those are critical because what we're saying to the payer is you don't have to get data from 3500 different pharmacies and try to make sense of it on your own, right? What we're saying to the payer is we're one entity. We are a clinically integrated network. Yes, there's 3,500 locations, but we're one entity. We sign a contract. It's one contract. We po- po- police the, the network in terms of quality. I'll talk about that maybe um, later in the podcast. Um but we can provide a quality network. We don't have to worry about by side mecha, you know metrics in order just to keep people in, right? So we can police the quality of the network, and then we we aggregate that data because we've worked with with our technology solutions providers like Micromerchant. We can get all the data from the various entities and then send it um, to the payer and get those pharmacies paid. Uh, so there's a lot that, that, that's there to unpack with that um, in terms of clinically integrated network and getting paid for value-based care. But we believe we're the tip of the sword. We've got over 250 payer contracts. We continue to get more. They're all wrapped around this e-care plan technology, uh, which will be the bulk of our conversation today. But really, um Todd, think of it this way: it's it's super easy for your listeners. When you go to the doctor's office and you show your insurance card, and it's Blue Cross Blue Shield of Tennessee, which is which is mine, right? The doctor doesn't go, oh, let me get my pharmacy system up. That's Blue Cross Blue Shield. You, you know, I got to get rid of all my other insurance. They don't. They're just in Epic or they're just in Cerner. They just pr- provide care in their system, right? And they document what they do with you as a patient in their system. And so what we've tried to do with the eCarePlan technology is allow those pharmacy owners to use their native system, whether that's a pharmacy management system in this case, or a clinical documentation, whatever they're used to working in and allow them to document care within workflow. And it makes it way easier for those pharmacies to document the care. And then Caitlin and his team continue to evolve their product right which i'm sure he'll get into every single day they're taking feedback from their customers and they're changing but now they're they're t- t- changing the, ca- the care plan technology how do i make it easier for my pharm- pharmacies to document care right they provide us the data we provide it to the payers and the payers pay the pharmacies it's great
1: What a, an awesome opening, Jay, a real stage setter for today's conversation, as well as this series. Um, I want to shift over to Brad because you kind of are the star of the show in some ways. And in our realm, it's all about your success, because if your success, Brad, it's going to impact your, your community. It's going to impact the health of your community. And that's extremely important. That's, that's the most important thing here that we're talking about. So Brad, let's, Let's get your opinion. What is the role of independent pharmacies in value-based care in this movement, and how can technologies better support it?
3: I, I feel that the the enhanced care model for us is really more of the pharmacist becoming an advocate for the patient in their overall care, and not just uh, the people that put the pills in the bottles. For example. Um, We have a a contract with a payer that, um, that pays us to do a home visit for the patient. And I took it upon myself to do a home visit for the patient. And I brought a blood pressure cuff with me. And I took their blood pressure. And even though I can call their provider and get an A1C for their sugar values or a blood pressure reading for their Hypertension. I took it upon myself to do it. And the reason was I wanted to find out what's going on with the patient firsthand. And the payer pays us for doing that. Well, it turns out that I recognize the patient's got a little bit of hypertension. I get involved and I get the provider to increase one of his hypertensive meds to the next strength. And 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 all that happened yesterday. So so as a pharmacist, you know we go to pharmacy school because we want to provide care to people, and and over the years, it, it becomes a more mechanical thing. Where um Jay mentioned, you know, you could put a warehouse next to an airport, and 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 the drugs become a commodity, and yep. and and lose and you lose the service aspect of it. And unfortunately, with the way the um, industry has gone, with pharmacy benefit managers stripping out all the profit. To where everything with community pharmacy today is, how can we stay in business and, and continue to serve the, the folks that, that, that you know, we do serve? Um, this en- en- enhanced care model, as as we've said, you know, been talking about it for years, it's finally here. So we can get paid for doing good work. We have better outcomes for our patients. Because a lot of our patients need advocates, and and they see us more than they see their providers. Um, we're on the front line. We are the best positioned to provide this enhanced care within the healthcare system, and 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 with having a software to enable us to to collect this data um, is key. It's critical, um, and and we we need to understand that with filling prescriptions, I remember when I was a kid, I'm second generation pharmacy and my dad's store, we were filling 250 scripts a day and we thought we were rocking and rolling. Um, Today with, with, and we were automated back in the late seventies. But even as of today, you know, 270, 200, 300 prescriptions. It's like, you know, what do you guys want to do next? We just knocked out these 300 prescriptions. Um, but but that's just the mechanics of filling the prescriptions and filling the prescriptions. Well, for us to be able to scale this enhanced care model, we need to have a good system that enables us to collect this data quickly and easily, um, and and repeatedly, so that we can provide CPESN with with the upload, so that they can massage this data um, to get us paid, and you know and that's where. Micromerchant comes in, and, and they've been working with me to um, look at their software, look at their system, and 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 enable us to make these entries more quickly, um, so that the data entry piece of this equation doesn't become um, any kind of hurdle. It just just clicks right along, and and that's where Heaton um, and his group have been. Willing to listen to what we need um, on our end. So that's pretty much what I have
1: to say about the enhanced care model. Thank you so much, Brad. That's a really good place setter. We're going to come back to a lot of what you opened up. Caden, you have watched this industry transform several times. And I remember at the beginnings of my um, pharmacy career in software, there were made up portals that were trying to desperately get information in and out of pharmacy management system to some other EHR or billing or something else that was happening from an engineer and an architect's perspective you're you've seen systems transform year after year after year and now here we are where we finally get to use the data to really get to this next level i want to open up to you kaden because you're you're this uh the like i said i like calling you an architect how does technology empower pharmacists to provide uh, value-based care? Uh,
0: so, by the way, just for the sake of users, when we talk MicroMerchant and PrimeRX, they are the same thing. MicroMerchant Systems is the parent company. PrimeRX is the platform through which we service thousands of pharmacies across the U.S. So, um, so when we when we talk about the technology, or in this particular case, PrimeRX being catering to the needs of the industry, we basically have our ear to the ground, right? And everything and anything that we do is basically to provide assistance to a particular uh, feature or a particular process that the pharmacy is trying to go through. What are we really doing? What we are really trying to do is trying to provide time back to the pharmacies. What we think that technology helps in bridging the gap uh, of all the processes and where we think that we excel at better is by by making the processes simpler, by making sure that appropriate data is available at appropriate times so that the pharmacists in their particular uh, capacity can utilize these things and make better clinical decisions and then they're on service the patients, right? So <clears throat> I think CPSN came at a juncture when the pharmacy, you know, a lot of this was fill-in bill and then specialty and long-term care. And we do all these kind of things. And CPSN at a point in time came in with something that was crucially missing in the industry, which was the standards. If you really think about it, CPSN is clinical documentation, right? And how do you convey like just documentation to a particular network so that way they can basically make use out of it is the bridge that CPSN came forward with at that particular point in time. Now, now I'll be the first one to admit that when it came through, you know, um, I thought that, okay, like everything else, there's like a thousand other solutions and everybody comes up with a solution. So we created the solution at that point. We created the care plan which we think is really innovative. It's it's a wizard-based care plan. But anyways, we created that and we said, okay, let's see what happens in the industry and whether or not people use it. So we sort of created it and then just were waiting on the sidelines while we were doing all the other 10,000 things, right? In the meanwhile, we started seeing... Uh, a slow shift in the pharmacies where they are now adopting this. We started seeing a shift in the networks where they started looking at the data much more uh, productively. We started seeing now payments, actually, that start coming back through the care plans. And that's what that's what told us that, hey, now there's a fundamental shift in the way pharmacies are looking at this care plan. They're looking at this value-based care and that's where we should start focusing on. So from that point on, we started looking at, okay, how do we how do we make time back for the pharmacy? So that way that on top of the 10,000 things that they do, how can they basically now take this new value-based program, implement it in their workflow and make better use of your time, resources, um, and obviously generate the care plan and provide better healthcare outcomes, right? So we think that from our point, we are not the magic. We, The pharmacist is the real star in here. Their ability to interpret that this works better in their pharmacies and this is a, a, a better way to move forward even in terms of whether it is generating incentives, revenue, or whatever the case may be. They go to school to care, to learn on how to provide better care to the patients, right? when they come back to the basics of the care plan and they look at this and say hey this is, allows me to have a better uh, um, health, healthier outcome for my patients that's when they start utilizing it now we in the software we've capturing you know the ability to have blood pressures and you know uh, your your glucose readings are now captured we are now interpreting this through the standards that cpsn and provide and making a care plan and sending it to the to the peers. All, all the other pharmacy management systems in the industry, they all are currently sort of following the same pattern as well. I think what where we excel at is, is being invisible in the background where pharmacies are sort of utilizing the system without them knowing that the system is playing key component and playing a key part in showing them appropriate data so that way they can uh, make the appropriate decisions. And then generally creating a care plan so that way they can then submit it uh, over, right? So Brad actually just spoke about a scenario where Hey, he looked at this particular scenario and said, okay, you know, this blood pressure medication could be changed, et cetera. So we have these conduits built in through integrations with the EHR uh, companies as well. So they can now submit a change request directly from the system to say, hey, I looked at this, the blood pressure pressure reading from last time was this, it's it's now this, is it progressing? Is it going down? And based on those things, they're saying, can we change the medication dosage from here to here? This is awesome this is where technology plays. Uh, The the technology play is at its best. The reason is because instead of them trying to pick up a phone and trying to send a fax or trying to do something, they are simply using this without thinking and it's it's become intuitive to their usage. Uh, And I like to think that PrimeRx really excels well where it's invisible. It just, you don't care what system you're using. It's just it comes naturally. You see the data points, you make your clinical decisions, and then you execute on it. So we don't think that we are a magic. We we are just an underlying tool. And the reason why we do this very well is because we have our ears glued to the ground. We go back to the basics. We uh, listen to pharmacists such as Brad uh, and and many others who are like, hey, we think this is where the future is. This is where we see our patients getting the best, healthier outcomes. And instead of us just trying to do a fill-in bill and become very mechanical in process, we think that adopting the standards that CPS and STED Capturing the clinical documentation and then using those standards to communicate to the peers, this provides the best use case in a pharmacy. And this is where we excel at the the most.
1: Thank you, Caden. PrimeRx, in the evolution of your organization, has been following community pharmacy for some time. Um, Brad, I'm sure you can remember uh, handwriting prescriptions and then using a typewriter and then getting to maybe a word processor. And the evolution of technology has now opened us up to a whole nother um avenue of information collection as well as utilization so we can actually get more out of the data rather than just a dispensing um ndc number and drug drug interactions now we're moving into much more personalized care Um, you know technology is just it's fascinating it's great i remember a time at the beginning of my pharmacy career where there were engineers that came up with some functionality or workflow that they thought was brilliant. And when I watched it in motion on screen and using data as examples, and it seemed great. Then all of a sudden you put it into practice. And in this case, it was long-term care pharmacy. And the pharmacies were like, this doesn't make any sense. This isn't the real world. Jay, that's what I'm thinking of you and CPSN merging what is necessary for the advancement of clinical practice as pharmacists, especially in these chronic disease states that desperately need pharmacy attention. And then all of a sudden you have technology that you have to kind of like marry up to it. Now, all of a sudden we have PrimeRX, X and, and Caden's exact words were is he has his ear on the ground and they're paying attention to what really their clients and customers need. Mm-hmm. Give us your opinion on just technology platforms in general in it having to serve the clinical side of this, the right kind of collection, the right kind of billing, uh, you know, intricacies, but just open up about that from the CPSN's um, advantage point.
2: Yeah, certainly um, some of the comments uh, earlier about the the time and and, and, and how long it's taken, right, to get us and, and kind of... Kate and saying, oh, "I was going to sit back and watch, see if the CPES thing is real or whether it's, you know, just another one of these things that's going to, you know, come down the pike and then fizzle out." Right. That I think that's it's 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 a interesting comment, and it it goes to me answering the the question, Todd. So let me give me a second to get there. Um, <clears throat> you know, we certainly could have taken large investor dollars. We had big wholesalers that wanted to you know, fund the CPESN movement, right? We had other folks coming in, um, investor bodies coming in that wanted to fund, but then, then we're beholden to somebody else for the top line revenue, right? And we really wanted to build a network that was owned by run by the actual independent pharmacy provider. So the time that it takes to, to gather together the right amount of pharmacies. And we still have pockets where, uh, in this country, where we don't have a great CPESN networks. Um, and, and so, you know, we still need to build that, right? So national programs um, are hard to come by. We're, we're really focused, you know, geography based on where they, there's been independence that have come together. So it's taken some time, but we've done that because it is the independent pharmacy owners network right they do sit at the negotiating table and negotiate all these plans and so we want them to to build their network locally and then and then and contract locally for for those those services so the market has has been born and and certainly we're now entering a phase where cpsn may have been the first but we're not the only right there's other places other entities that have come in and said, oh, there's money to be had in value-based care and um, I'm going to try to get mine. Okay, great. We say welcome. Rising tide lifts all boats, right? We want to be the best. Where we focus on, in terms of answering your specific question is, what does the payer need in terms of data submission? And how can we organize it from 15 different technologies and then provide it to them in a way that they say, yes, Brad's pharmacy did these things that he said he did, right? So that I can adequately pay him, right? That's where we focus on the the, the data portion of it, where each individual technology solutions partner that we have that have, have, have you know, sent us the data and we validated that they send it in in, in a way that we can accept it, right? And then we've given them a, a, a blessing, if you will, that says that they're an approved care plan provider by CPSN. And this is where, you know, the Prime software has been for years, right? They've been a, a, a one of our TSPs, technology solutions provider, for a number of years, that's on that back end where it's where it's valuable and where where Kayden's message really resonates is we're trying to make it easier on the front end. We're trying to make it easier as we listen to our customers, right? Cuz trust us, we have we have TSPs that the customers come to us, they're CPSN members and they're like, "Man, documenting a care plan is is challenging." Right? Documenting your care plan is challenging. And they're reluctant to do it because it's so challenging, right? <clears throat> Where PROM makes it easier for those customers to document the care plan and then sends the data to us, right? So we we encourage our TSPs to continue to make enhancements to that kind of user interface for the independent pharmacy that, so the pharmacy can um, document the care more easily and do it within their you know kind of base system of record. I hope that answers your question todd
1: absolutely it does i want to shift back to caden for a second because i want to ask specifically you know i'm listening to brad kind of set the stage of what it means um to have care plan documentation software built in to a pharmacy management system and then cpsn uh, Jay outlined the importance of this to be scalable and to be repeatable for hundreds, and then someday, of course, thousands of community pharmacies throughout the nation. So, dig into PrimeRX software, Caden, for us. How does it help facilitate data sharing and interoperability?
0: Um, well, let, let me just let me just start by, um, you know, staying more true to the topic of this care plan as well, because we do maybe hundreds and thousands of things for, for integration. And we work with every other vendor out there in the industry, Uh, you know, the data back and forth, but coming back to the basis of care plan, some of the things that I think we do very well is uh, identifying users. So, you know, pharmacies, they typically have, you know, thousands of patients. So how do they know which patient sort of qualifies for care plan, which are the patients that are just general and, you know, Basically, it comes back to time. How do they know where to utilize their time to get the maximum benefit, uh, to gain the maximum benefit for the care plan process, right? So we identify all the chronic patients. From the chronic patients, we say, hey, these are the patients that go through, um, they have multiple chronic conditions and they go to different physicians maybe. And in certain cases, we look at their prescription pickup records and we say there's gaps. So the likelihood of those patients actually falling through the gap is more, which is where we generate a suggested list of all the patients that could benefit from something called like a med sync. Uh, It's something, that is very crucial and um, important in a lot of pharmacies because if what it does is it simply allows them to basically consult that patient bring them in once uh, once a month and then basically provide them the services for the whole uh, for all their medicate medica- uh, or medical conditions right in this particular case, once we suggest, then we give them the ability to create a simple medsync program, which in turn then ties into the care plan as well. Because now that you are here on a scheduled time and um, um, date and time at my pharmacy, I'm looking at your complete medication uh, pro- uh, review history looking at the clinical information that I have in front, and I say, hey, you have these comorbidities and these chronic conditions. Let me put you on a goal-based care plan to say, from here, we have to go, go to this XYZ goal that I'm, I, am as a pharmacist, am deciding with you. This is where the clinical documentation process starts, and then thereby this is simply submit a care plan. Now, from a technology perspective, we have done, as I said, this, this was just limited to care plan, but we have done tons of other things in relation to patient engagement. The reason is because we think that patients And pharmacies play a very crucial role in making sure that they are talking to the patients efficiently. And it cannot be over communication and cannot be under communication also, right? So we've started creating patient engagement tools, which basically are automated and send in important alerts to the patient. Hey, it's time for you to take your medication. This helps in adherence, right? In terms of interoperability, we integrate with the EHR records uh, to have a seamless data exchange back and forth. Uh, We generate a lot of cost control measures through data mining to look at, hey, which medication makes the best sense for this particular plan to be dispensed. So that way you are making your buying and dispensing decisions much more uh, intelligently. We integrate with the wholesalers for you for them to. Say, hey, this is the best place for you to order your medications. This is how you can dispense in the most effective way. Your workflow, like a pharmacy can have a team size of five versus a team size of 50 or even 500. We have some pharmacies that are huge in scale. So you cannot just say that what works in one particular pharmacy will work in another one also. So we create these different workflow options. We allow the system to scale and bend as per the user behavior rather than telling the user to bend as per the system, right? Which is where we think that that's where they gain the maximum efficiency. And this is where they are saying that, hey, I think I can save a lot of time by doing this, 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 thereby I can utilize my time to provide better care to the patient. And as I said, Uh, We try to stay in the background as much as possible. So we bring in highlights of you want to create a care plan. So you simply create one and then all the steps related to care plan, whether it is, you know, your references or your, you know, any of your uh, lab result capturing and all that, all that then flows within that workflow. And once you submit, then it once again goes back to your seamless pharmacy um, workflow. Right gopay collection. I mean, you name it. We have done all these integrations. Um, We are one of the vendors that have the most integrations, I would say, in the industry. It sometimes becomes a challenge, but it all allows us to um, bring in efficiencies in the pharmacy, which once again is saving time for them. Because I think you only have X amount of hours in a day. Um, We know that, you know, as you can see, Brad is juggling multiple things right now also. This happens day in and day out of their every hour in the pharmacy. It's not just Brad. I mean, you, we've gone through this vaccination process where they were now needed to provide vaccines and then submit data to different entities to make sure that everything is being reported, etc. They adopt it, right? So the reason why they are able to adopt while doing the existing things that they have implemented in the pharmacy is simply because they are much more focused on patient care and they want to utilize technology that basically saves time, right? So that's what, That's where I think we really uh, are very good at. Uh, As Jay mentioned, yes, we were like, okay, let's see where this works on. So do we think that we are there in terms of 100% solutioning? Probably not. Brad will be the first one to say, hey, we can always do things a little bit better, right? And that's where we are like, hey, even though that this is working uh, in the current stage, we are looking and seeing and adopting to the industry changes to see how can we tweak and make things more better and more automated in that particular process.
1: So how can pharmacy management systems contribute to being um, proponents, uh, conduits to to helping us to to be more to create more affordable prescriptions and improving our overall patient outcomes?
0: Oh, absolutely. I mean, so. So once again, this is technology at its best. Uh, One of the things that we really did was we uh, looked at some newer standards that were implemented, like, for example, real-time prescription benefit. So what we did was, in this particular case, we are, even before the pharmacist actually utilizes and uh, their time to fill a prescription, go through the rejection or go through alternative medication therapies. What we did was as soon as they receive a prescription, we allow them the ability to do a benefits check, which first of all says like, hey, is the patient covered? Is the drug a part of the uh, formulary in the plan that the patient is enrolled under? And if so, what is the 30-60-90 copay? If the drug Does the drug have a, a prior approval required? Yes or no? And then we also provide them with alternatives and on suggesting said, hey, under this formulary, based on this equivalency of the drug, there is another drug that may have a lower copay and that does not have a PA. So now in terms of them actually filling the one that's prescribed They could request from the same um, uh, function, they could request a change request to the doctor and say, hey, can you switch from this medication to this medication? It's all sent in electronically. The doctor receives it, approves it, and basically then sends in a new prescription which has a lower copay and no prior approvals, thereby making sure that they are not utilizing a lot of time in getting prior approvals, etc., and reducing the copay for the patient. So this is just one small example. This is them not filling a prescription, transmitting, printing a label, bagging the prescription, utilizing the technician's time, then finding out that the patient cannot pay the copay and then going through the whole reverse order. We are saying that before even you do that, we are giving you the wherewithal to Uh, identify if there are alternatives to that particular therapy and then have a conduit through the integrated channels with the EHR to say that, hey, can you move from this prescription to this prescription because it's more affordable for the patient. So this is just one example.
1: Thank you, Caden. I want to shift back to um, Jay for a second, really talking about Clinically integrated networks uh, (CINs) and and value based care models and the ex- execution of value based care models from a pharmacy's perspective. How beneficial are the cl- are the electronic care plans when integrated into the pharmacy software systems? Most
2: of our uh, payer programs are based on the care plan. Uh, the pharmacies are getting paid by the care plan. Are most um, aggressive uh you know program that's that's been launched in i believe eight networks and has a number of um networks planned to launch in 2024 is is all e care plan based for high risk patients your so your um the the plan is is identifying patients in geographies of the pharmacies and giving those uh, in, in many cases um, new patients, in some cases, existing patients of the of the pharmacies already, but asking the pharmacy to intervene and um, and have an intervention with with a high risk patient in their area, and they're getting paid to do a services wrapped around that that they document in the care plan. Um, so yeah, it, it's very it's very important, and um, I, I I would be remiss if I didn't underscore and kind of um, agree with. Caton on the med and the the kind of the what we refer to it as the appointment based model. So our our industry term and, and 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 CPSN has certainly kind of doubled down on the the effort of the appointment model, right? So everywhere in healthcare, you have a dentist appointment, you have a doctor's appointment, you have a chiropractic appointment. Everything was an appointment. In healthcare, except for pharmacy. Pharmacy was like picking up your dry cleaning. It was an errand to run. I'm gonna swing by the dry cleaner, I'm gonna swing by the pharmacy and pick up my prescriptions, right? It did not um allow for the pharmacist to look the care of the patient longitudinally, right? It was you you used an app or went to the website and you filled in, you know, your prescription number and, and you and you had a refill request pending, right? Cadence point on MedSync in the appointment model is critical to longitudinal care, value-based care. Brad um, can can attest to this, and I'll, I'll allow him to kind of go next. But this is important for all of us in pharmacy, right? We need to shift pharmacy from an errand to run to an appointment that you have, and by utilizing MedSync and and condensing all the different fills over the course of the month into one fill, one day of fills, right? And then looking at that patient, the holistically looking at the patient, not looking at the prescriptions and see if there's drug drug interaction, but looking at the patient holistically and doing some of the things that Caden mentioned, but also looking at what what vaccine what vaccinations are these. Patients eligible for what other care can I provide to this patient based off their age, their demographics, other um, you know prompts and metrics that uh, PrimeRX um, gives the the pharmacy right? These are all things that are payable opportunities for the pharmacy to take advantage of and they're not DIR'd and they you know you know what you're going to get paid um, going in. So we're excited about the appointment based model and really are encouraging all of our CPSN pharmacies to be the 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 tip of the sword and, and get heavily involved in med sync. Not a hundred patients, but like 75, 80% of their fills need to be in med sync and in this kind of appointment model driven way, so that you can provide these value-based care arrangements and get paid in a different mechanism.
1: Scalable, scalable, scalable. I tell you what, it brings me back to Brad because it's the real deal. It, it it's one thing to have technology that Caden is very meticulous in designing and making sure that it's effective. Then you have uh, Jay, who is helping to formulate relationships with our payers, which is crucial to keep this going. But it's you, Brad. It's it's you. It's the pharmacy owner, all these pharmacy owners that are listening right now. I want to hear from your perspective, how difficult is it to transition to a value-based care model with how busy you are? You have pharmacies in New Jersey. You have pharmacies in Pennsylvania. You have a lot to think about. Share with our owners that are listening um, how how to overcome those challenges.
3: Well, we're, we are new at Friendly Pharmacy. We're pretty new to the enhanced care model. It took us um, several months of working with PrimeRx to get it to the point where We had a a care plan that could be uploaded to CPSN and and get that far. So we've really only been at it for maybe three months. And and a lot of that time has been um, taking baby steps through the care plans to make sure that they they were clean care plans, that they were able to be uploaded, that the data was right and and now we're at the point where we've achieved that goal so now we're we're getting more into actually providing that enhanced care so um we're 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 sort of learning um as we go along um and and we're adjusting to to what makes sense you know when jay talks about appointments um we've we've asked some of our patients to actually bring in their medicines because they may be going to multiple pharmacies, they may have multiple providers, and we can't see the whole picture if they're if they're using other pharmacies. So so we're we're trying to um, establish a new rapport with these patients to show them that that we care more about their total healthcare picture, and and the hope is that you know, if if they come and they bring us their medicines, you would think that they're buying into this model. Where we are now part of their healthcare team, um, more so than just the provider of a commodity. Um, and as I said, we're we're new to the game. We really are. We've got about two or three months of actually doing it, um where we are submitting uh, the e care plans. Um, so it's it's early to tell. um i'm I'm my group is actually waiting for me to get a little more entrenched in it before we bring them on board so that, you know, I can make suggestions how they can add it to their workflow within their environment. Um, Because, you know, as, as Jay has said, and as Keaton has said, you know, there's some guys with 25 people in the pharmacy department doing work and there's others with four. So, so there's no, it's not one size fits all. You just have to show, I have to be able to show my crew what it is we're doing, and then work with them to figure out how it's going to work into their flow. Um, so it, it, as I said, it's not a one-size-fits-all, and it takes a little bit of massaging. Um, but but the end result is really that um, the with, with the way pharmacy has evolved, with the pharmacy benefit management side of things... Um, the enhanced care model is, is is really the thing that's going to keep pharmacy um, going in the future as far as a, a viable business where there's a revenue stream to, to keep it going. So it's sort of like a chicken and an egg kind of a thing. We've been hearing about enhanced care for years and years. And, and, and as pharmacists, we were saying, show us a contract, show us a contract. And unfortunately, up until maybe a year ago, Nobody could show us a contract here locally in southeastern Pennsylvania. Um, but it's here now. And in fact, we we as as a group within my group of of, of the stores I'm involved, with, we've been working with a couple payers showing them that, that we could show them better outcomes. And in fact, that payer has been talking with um our local network, PPCN. Um, Which is part of CPEs, and it's the um, Pennsylvania Pharmacy Care Network, um, which is part of the Pennsylvania Pharmacy Association group. Um, But we're now looking at some new payer contracts. I mean, there's a couple in place right now within Pennsylvania, and there and there's more to come. So um, we're excited. We're excited, and uh, hoping that, as we said, we can scale it where the care plan data entry, it's it, its not a huge piece of the puzzle. Um, once you provide the care, it shouldn't take more than a few minutes to generate the care plan and and upload it. And, and that piece is done and you're on to your next patient. So we're looking forward to growing it here at Friendly Pharmacy and within our group.
1: Excellent. Shout out to the Pennsylvania Pharmacy Care Network. Um, I just got done talking with Dr. Brandon Antonopoulos, who helps to lead that group out of Pennsylvania Pharmacists Association. Uh, We got to talk to some new practitioners at University of Pittsburgh School of Pharmacy, and the entire uh, three-hour event was on nothing but value-based care and preparing our P4s and our new pharmacists to start really doing this day in and day out as part of what it means to be a pharmacist. Um, generations kind of wipe away memories in many ways. I know I'm old enough to remember things that I can't remember anymore. Um, and and I know that the future of our pharmacist is tagged and tied deeply into technology more than ever, almost to the point where it's going to be seamless, like Caden was saying. Caden, uh, I want to get to you just for one point for just a second, taking a pause. I want to hear about, you're a technologist, you're a nerd like me. Um, I want to know about emerging trends in technology that will further support uh, value-based care.
0: So um, some of the things that we are actually working on is related to this, um, the 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 AI AI part of it. And we are looking to see how much of this can be utilized from a clinical side of it and how much it could be dependable also a lot of lot of data has been used and, and is available now than ever before and how can we use the data to uh, have better predictability in, in a sense we've been always naturally been doing that like if you look at inventory forecasting refills etc we've always been using data to um, to forecast this but with the newer technology, we are now moving into execution wherein, uh, for example, if the intent of AI is to use data and then execute on behalf of a human, that's where we are trying to go to. But we are very cognizant about the, uh, the standards in place and the rules and guidance that is in place. So we are trying to just place the pharmacist in between all this. So all they need to do is saying, okay, yeah, I'm gonna do this. And the conclusion that has been put forward is right, or do I need to use my clinical guidance to change that and then move forward appropriately? So this in turn, once again, it just saves time at the pharmacy, which is what we are after, because we know that it's not only this, there'll be multiple other things that are going to be coming down for pharmacies. Pharmacies have now been identified and recognized as as a crucial part of the healthcare system, which which there are burnouts at different phases and pharmacies can actually start filling in those gaps as well. So how do we allow the pharmacies to do more is simply by leveraging the use of technology and giving them back a little bit of time.
1: Thank you for that. Um, Jay, And wrapping up our conversation, I want to get your um, your thoughts on bridging gaps for pharmacists in value-based care movement. You have so many in the CPSN family and network Um and and some are 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 moving forward faster than others and that's okay I I think it's just as long as we keep making progress. but talk to me about your thoughts around technology and bridging those gaps for pharmacists
2: well, I want to respectfully disagree with Brad on the chicken or egg comment and I know it's probably just a, an offhand comment but it's really not chicken or egg it's it's the payer is not going to send a payer program to a network that's not built yet. So I know Brad and his pharmacies were able to leverage the fact that they waited until the payer had brought a program to their area, right? But it was through the great work of PPCN, the CPSN network for Pennsylvania, the state of Pennsylvania, that built a network they primarily built it in the western part of the state, to be fair. A lot of their payer programs were in the western part of the state, right? So then they they eventually got some some statewide stuff which brought it to the East. And he was able to do that. But but not all states can sit back and do that, right? For the states that are sitting back and going, Well, I'm gonna wait until a payer program comes. The payer's not doing that. The payer is going, Well, I'm not gonna send you my lives. If you don't have providers that can provide the care. So for those groups that are listening and pharmacies that are interested, and I'll use Illinois as a a great example, not a very good network in in Illinois yet. We're hoping to build it, but there's a lot of pharmacies that are sitting there going, well, we're waiting for something to happen in Illinois. Meanwhile, all around them, there's, there's active payer programs where pharmacies are getting paid. I've got a Nebraska program with a, uh, with Medicaid where pharmacies are making – this is on average. There are some pharmacies making way more than this, but on, on average, the pharmacies are bringing in an additional $5,000 um, per pharmacy um, for um, some HEDIS measures. We've got a program in Iowa. The pharmacies are making $12,000, $1,000 a month um, on that program. We have a program in Northeast Tennessee – the pharmacies are averaging $22,000 in additional revenue through services, right? So this isn't a mythical, m- magical unicorn that's running around the world and CPSN is trying to lasso this thing and, and and tell people that it's real. It's real. If you build it, the payers will be there. Mm-hmm. But you have to build it as, a, as an independent pharmacist you need to go with your other independent pharmacies in your state, and you got to build it. New Jersey is a great point, and it's a big state for 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 prime folks. So I'm I'm giving the shout out to New Jersey. New Jersey is like the fifth or sixth largest state when it comes to independent community-based pharmacies. They should have a huge network. They could be making tens of thousands of dollars in value-based care, but they're sitting around and they're waiting. For a payer to come to them first, and it's just not going to happen. You have to be the network Jake, first. Yes. Jake,
3: I I stand corrected. You are absolutely correct. It's build it and they will come. Right. You're yes. absolutely in in my world of of being involved with the, the, the P A R D, the Philadelphia Association of Retail Drugists, You know we we have been hearing about enhanced care for many years, and and as a group there's been reluctance to investing yeah. in some but there was no direct roi right. uh, and you're right we did benefit from the guys out west that created the network proved it was real and then now i i i'm, I'm sure you can see the, the number of um new members that have joined in southeastern pennsylvania huge. in the last 4 yeah, months huge yeah it, it, it's pretty staggering, right? So, th- and that's really my only point is to say th-
2: that if you build it, it's it's ready for you. We we've had numerous situations at, at CPSN where the payer said, "Okay, we we did great in pick a state, and we're going to go to another state, and we want to go to Kansas," and we said, "Great, we've got." a network already built in Kansas and they're ready to go. We've got 85 pharmacies in Kansas. Let's do it. And they're like, we're in. And then other times they've said, well, let's go to Illinois. And we're like, well, we don't have a network in Illinois yet. Well, we do. It's just, it just got you know 20 pharmacies in it. So it's not ready for you yet. And they're like, okay, let's move on to another state. Cause they're so excited about right. the opportunity and, and and the data points are there. I mean, Nebraska Medicaid has already shared their data on what CPSN pharmacies have done for them. Elevance uh, Health just put out a white paper. You can find it on cpsn.com in our newsroom. But they were raving about working with CPSN independent pharmacies and how they were able to reduce their hospitalizations by 30%, their uh, ED visits by 18%. These are million-dollar numbers, right? this It's not a little number. And it's because of the independent community-based pharmacies and what they can do. So we know we have a story. We just need the pharmacies to believe and to invest in themselves, invest in their own local network and build it. And we're going to have uh, a lot of revenue for pharmacies in the, in the months and years to come. We're excited.
1: That is exciting. I'm excited about uh, the new year, 2024, and doing much more of this and hearing more successes throughout the CPSN networks. Um, I want to give a shout out to uh, PrimeRx. Uh, Caden, thank you to you and your team for hosting today's conversation. This is one of many to come. So Pharmacy Podcast Network listeners uh, know that we're going to have other conversations uh, through technology and value-based care as well. Ah, uh, Brad, you are wonderful. Thank you so much for your work and your communities in pharmacy and being a community pharmacy owner. Your work is so important and it's so vital. So all of the pharmacy owners that are listening right now, um if there's questions for Jay and building your networks, if there's questions from the pharmacy state associations that you want um, to understand how to implement this at a state level reach out to Jay. They have connections with Pennsylvania, North Carolina, um, some of the states that are really standing out with these programs. But um, thank you, Jay, and to CPSN being part of today's conversation. Thank you to Brad um, with Friendly Pharmacy. And Caden, you are just wonderful. Thanks for hosting today's podcast. Um, I wanna give a shout out to our listeners. Uh, Take a look at PrimeRx.io. Once again, that's Prime rx.io for more information Caden, we gotta have you back and keep keep these going i love having you here absolutely looking forward to it thank you jay thank you so much thanks everyone thanks thank you brad we'll talk to you soon all right listeners for all of your podcast needs we have over 50 hosts that are producing six episodes per week Uh, take a look at pharmacypodcast.com or go to your podcast player any of them, Apple, Spotify, and be on the lookout for more PrimeRx coverage of the advancement and transformation of community pharmacy through technology. Thank you so much for listening.